Welcome everybody, my name is Krush AK and this is the Market Meditations Podcast. We chat with fascinating people from around the world to extract mindsets, routines, stories and habits to help you build richer lives. Before we jump into this episode, don't forget that I send hand-picked market news, insights and education to over 6,000 traders and investors three times a week. To get access to this, all you have to do is sign up to kurushak.substack.com. Welcome back, meditators. Today's episode is really special. We've gone over our first 20 guests and found the best trading advice we could, and we've compiled it all into one episode for you. I really hope you enjoy this. There'll be my commentary here and there, but mostly the guests sharing their wisdom. In our first clip, Jack shares how to find your own trading strategy. You have a choice. Um, do you like this? Are you intrigued by it? Yes. Okay, then just go sit down, head down 24-7, try and study all the different frameworks out there. Um, t- take and pick from them whatever you you think might be valuable and just keep throwing shit on a pile and, and, and rinse it and see what sticks. And that's actually what I've been doing. So I came across things like obviously patterns to start with and then um, I learned a lot from, from Cret. Uh, in regards to price action concepts, I came across the inner circle trader. I took his course um, mainly for the risk management because Cred said that he learned a lot from the risk management module from from the inner circle trader. And then Elliott Wave Theory. And Elliott Wave Theory blew my mind in a sense that um, the theory kind of described the golden ratio um, fee to be significant in extensions in, in fractals of, of price and that it's related to how natural processes f- form themselves. And that just blew my mind. At that point, I realized this is far more than just, you know, a bunch of people buying and selling something, but it's, 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 it's much bigger. Um, it, it's, it, it, you know, you could literally grab a tree and look at how these branches fractally grow out and find a fractal right there that if you like kind of like modify it a little bit could look like a market in a sense, in like in an abstract way. So that's really when my, my mind was blown. And obviously that tied into GAN because GAN was like the next layer on top of value wave theory, basically for me at least. And um, I learned a lot about game, game theory as well from um, the inner circuit trader, just basically like thinking like um, you're, you know, there's predators and prey and people are influenced by their emotions. So where in the market are they going to get punished the most, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, I'm just rambling about a lot of different concepts, but at the end of the day, I wanted to know how these concepts all worked. And um, it took me a while to finally get to the point where I feel that I can structurally apply bits and pieces of all these different frameworks and theories into a working solution that is now my trading framework. Jack is as eloquent as ever and following on really nicely from this we have a monologue from Crypto Nikos for the new traders out there. My advice to I guess the audience would be um, especially if you're new coming up into the investment space into the trading space um, trading I would try every single strategy possible and something that fits to you. Um, Alpha you want to call it alpha takes a while to develop. Now, um, for me, it's taken, you know, a good solid four years now of nonstop trading, uh, you know, just days and days and days and days with some of the smartest people that are way smarter than me um, and learning from them to develop my own form of trading and my own form of profitability. Um, that's just 
my experience, and I would not one um, be too hasty and be too impatient on trading. And two, I would um, I would just consistently try, even if it doesn't work out. Um, continuously try. The best thing you can do is follow through with your TA and um, don't let other people influence you, right? If you have a set goal and you have a set chart and you want to follow through with it, follow through with it, whether you're right or wrong. Just be ready to take the hit and follow through with your TA and see where it leads you because that's the only way you're going to be able to learn, right? You can, I mean, everybody can tell you, oh, you know, tie your shoes, you're going to trip, but it's you actually tripping one time to, for you to really realize how important, you know, tying your shoes are. Following on from this, we have Rookie XBT. You got to learn the ins and outs. Like this, just the simple stuff. And paper trading is definitely the way to go for that. But what I have a problem with is people start paper trading and then they think they can handle, you know, whatever the market has to throw at them. <laughs> and that's just not the case. It's You might trade great, but it's the emotions of losing real money that trading is more emotional than anything. So... It's just the emotions that of losing real money that paper trading can really never replicate, in my opinion. But through the years, I've always had skin in the game. That was, I think, that's like the biggest advice I can give anybody: just having skin in the game, never lose it all, <laughs> because you want to, you know, you want to keep messing around with the markets, learning from it, and. I'm a firm believer that you need real money in the markets to actually learn. A lot of people do paper trading and I'm not really a fan of that because you can never really mimic the emotions of losing real money. Time and time again, traders have shared there is value to knowing whether or not you have an edge in the market through paper trading, but without skin in the game, you truly do not know if you can handle this craft. This leads nicely into our next segment, which is from Trader SC. Trading, right? Once you know the basics, once you've got your basic blueprinting, that ain't really going to change as much. Yes, certain nuances do, but the main stuff doesn't. It's actually a game of discipline. When do you know when to step in and when do you know when to step out? And, you know, if you only take the ones that are optimal, the equity curve is going to grow. But you'll find that when you were desperate to always step in, that's when you get messed up. Uh, uh, with your equity curve so in that sense where it's just fighting myself I'm all, it's a constant battle there's so many trades I want to take but I know it's that battle it's a mental battle most of it's just a mental battle for me staying out of the market when it's not when what I want to see is not there so it just frustrates I, I, I find it frustrating so I do other things to fight that to keep my mind off things does that make sense everything's probability and I think it's a big part of trading as well because you have to realise even no matter how strong your idea is, it all comes back down to probability. Nothing's 100% probability in the markets. Um, you know, so if you were thinking that term, everything is just a probability. And what do I need to see to increase the probability of the trade idea or decrease? Just accept the fact that it's okay to be wrong. Whereas, you know, you marry a bias and it has to work and you convince yourself it has going to work. And then you'll go out your way when somebody poses a different idea. You start attacking them just to make yourself feel better. So coming back to you, it's all about probability. Fantastic, as always, from Trader SC. And now we have Cantering Clark starting off by telling us why he chooses to trade crypto, especially as a trader who's come over from the legacy markets, and then goes on to give some fantastic trading advice as well, especially for those looking to trade sustainably for a long time. I've taken more of a passive approach in traditional markets. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I like to say is I came to 
crypto because it was the easiest broker table to play at. Uh, there's a ton of inefficiency in the crypto markets compared to traditional markets. Things that are givens in this market, such as a carry trade, for example, when there is a considerable amount of premium between the futures prices far out on the term structure and the spot prices. And there's that carry trade opportunity. It's a basis trade, right? You sell futures and buy spot and you capture, you arb that difference as they close over time. That is sort of a given in the crypto markets. Now, it's something you obviously have to make sure that you execute properly because you have to account for transaction costs and and you know uh, slippage and just executing it uh, properly from, from entry to exit. Uh, but still, there is a, it's sort of like a free lunch in crypto, right? So from times, that can be anywhere from 6 to 12% which six to 12% uh, in traditional markets is something you might fight tooth and nail over, right? So for most people, it's actually better to try to just create some index replicate, you know, index replication strategy in traditional markets, because it is something that has the, the level of participants in that in legacy markets, it has a lot, a lot more depth. Uh, you're competing against the best and the brightest, not to say that you're not competing against the best and the brightest in crypto, but there is a lot more room um, for that inefficiency to be improved in crypto than there is in traditional markets. So yeah, absolutely beating the market in crypto is something that I focus on uh, because I'm actively trading it, right? I have an absolute return approach to it. In traditional markets, all I wanna do is replicate the benchmark. I've always said, you wanna be a trader now when mm -hmm. we're experiencing this sort of hype cycle this kind of uh, trending high momentum period, but ultimately everyone wants to graduate to the point of being a portfolio manager. The last thing you want to do and is be an older trader, you know, be into your fifties, into your sixties, if that's even a thing, right? Maybe that's not even a thing because it's just, you know, to have these type of hours to begin with, right? We're, we're talking about trading crypto. We're all, most of people that will be tuning in are crypto traders. The benefit of trading traditional markets and it's kind of, begun to be an ever receding pocket that period of time that existed between market open and close the benefit of trading traditional markets was there was some semblance of normalcy right you always have to have your finger on the pulse with what's going on after hours but there was a sense of you know clocking in and clocking out um, which is good because that also i think promotes a sort of organized and disciplined approach to things in terms of just scheduling alone crypto is 24 7 right and you know what that means for many is that there's a high opportunity cost for even having a good sleep cycle. I live in New York. Sometimes things happen at two, three o'clock in the morning my time, and you know if I'm out of the market, it's an opportunity that I've passed up on. Um, but if I am continuously at the computer, I am you know borrowing from my future in a sense. So when it comes to trading, I think that you want to use trading to ultimately get into something else, right? You want to use it as a tool. It's a, it's a phenomenal skill set to be able to beat a market, right? If you beat the market, that's one of the more important things to also go over is, are you beating the passive indexing returns of the market that you're in? Because if you're not, you might just be enjoying the actual thrill versus doing the right thing objectively. So I don't think that you want to trade for a long time. You know, of course, idle hands will at some point probably force you into a few things, right? Down the line, you'll get active again. But I think ultimately you want to use trading as a tool to get you to a different position in life where you're trading your time in a 
a less stressful manner because it is very stressful. Next, we have David Bell actually referencing our friend Cantering Clark and talking about the value of using your own discretion and past experiences when trading. I spoke with um, Cantering Clark, uh, Ryan, about this a couple of weeks ago. I just dropped a comment on one of his um, one of his tweets and said um, one of the biggest problems that I find is exactly what I said with mechanical strategies. Um, and he, he said something pretty pretty important is that when you start off, it's always good to be mechanical and to you know try and repeat the same thing over and over again but as you get more experienced i think discretion allows you to recognize all of the situations that you've been in in the past almost subconsciously and to um quickly allow you to make a decision almost like a heuristic if you've ever read uh, kahneman and uh, tversky it allows you to make a decision based off of prior um prior activities what your brains remembered before and that gut feeling really comes into things and i think gut feeling is a lot to do with um good trading okay so there's a paper from the cftc that shows who high frequency trading firms uh take money from okay and you've got aggressive passive opportunistic fundamental and something else traders i can't remember but basically high frequency traders take money from um, firstly other high frequency trading firms and also opportunistic traders okay they do not take money from fundamental based traders who will be position traders who trade over a longer period and largely discretionary now why is that because you can't really model discretionary beliefs or discretionary trading styles because you know it's discretionary it changes all the time so I see a lot of people talking about technical systems on Twitter and and I think that they're really really doing themselves a disservice. I think that firstly a technical system is likely to be arbitraged away. Okay? I also think that it creates a lot of anxiety because you tend to be trading on a shorter time frame and also I think that it doesn't allow for adequate risk management because you're basing a lot of your decision making on only a handful of, um, of 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 visual cues at the end of the day. And next we have Salsa Tequila, a trader popular on Twitter who's publicly made 4,000% returns over the course of three weeks. Yes, it was during a trading competition, but he's also extremely transparent with his trading in general, uh, often trades seven-figure positions and uh, really has a lot of valuable advice. It's very easy to feel like the market owes you something and then you start uh, you know, trying to make money fast and that's the kind of emotional trap that leads you into a downfall. Uh, you're di- basically digging a grave, right? So there's a lot of emotional factors where that can push you into making mistakes. Uh, the fear of losing money, the fear of risk. Let's say you take a trade um, and... You know, you know from the start where your invalidation is, but then you you, you bet too big. You start seeing your PL fluctuate again, you and you against you, and you chicken out. And then the trade works perfectly, but you're out. Um, this kind of stuff, it's it's mental, right? He, he, your your emotions lead you into making mistakes that you should not do logically. So uh, emotional by emotional management, what I mean is. Um, your emotions when there's money at stake are either can very much influence uh, your decisions 
for the worse. And you got to be aware of that and be able to monitor yourself and know your weak. I think a trait that most traders need to succeed is honesty towards themselves and, you know, uh, owning their decisions. And um, how do I say that? Accountability. So you need to be accountable for your decisions and you need to be honest uh, with yourself. There's, there's something called hindsight bias. I could say that it was all skills and I got to the second spot on me because I was very good at trading. I think it, it did require a lot of skills. Like I knew what I was doing for sure. And I would not have gotten there without a huge skill factor. But what I mean when I say I got lucky is that there was a small chance that I actually hit the 4,000% ROI. I, I, I had probably more chances to go bust overall because I took big risks from the start. The last competition that I participated, I think I went plus 150%. And then I busted the account and I lost the 0.1 initial deposit. Uh, from there, I just, uh, you know, I redeposited, tried again and ma mainly chased my tail. It never really kickstarted. When I traded for that competition, I was very picky on my entries. I knew what I was doing. I definitely had a big edge uh, versus somebody who, you know, just randomly smashes buy or sell and, and tries to catch a big move. I was not trying to catch a big move. I was trying to get lucky on my entries and exit uh, depending on what the market gives me, right? I was not trying to take bad gambles. So in that sense, there's a big skill factor, but a huge luck factor, as you said. So you gotta be accountable. There's, you, you gotta not fall prey to the hindsight bias that tells you that you know this is reproductible uh, and normal returns. No, if I did that, um, if, I, if I try to run an account right now, from 0 0.1 to, you know, I think I was at 8 Bitcoin at the end or something like that. No, it was 0 0.19 start and I went to almost uh, to 7 seven or 8 Bitcoin at the end, I think. So 4,000%. Anyway, if I tried to do that again, I might not get lucky uh, as I did. And I might just go bust and lose the 0 0.1 initial deposit. It's very easy to feel like the market owes you something. And then you start, uh, you know, trying to make money fast. And that's the kind of emotional trap that leads you into a downfall. Uh, you're basically digging a grave, right? So there's a lot of emotional factors where that can push you into making mistakes. Uh, the fear of losing money, the fear of risk. Let's say you take a trade, you know, you know from the start where your invalidation is. But then you, you you bet too big, you start seeing your PL fluctuate again you and you against you and you chicken out, and then the trade works perfectly, but you're out. Um, this kind of stuff it's it's mental, right? He, he, your your emotions lead you into making mistakes that you should not do logically. So uh, emotional by emotional management, what I mean is um, your emotions when there's money at stake are either can very much influence uh, your decisions for the worse. And you got to be aware of that and be able to monitor yourself and know your weaknesses. Two lessons that I learned that I think are invaluable are, uh, first of all, when you take a gamble, you want to have a positive mathematical expectancy to your gamble. And second of all, you want to have your, uh, your risk in check. You don't want to to put yourself at the risk of going into ruin 
So you want to optimize your uh, percent risk in the sense that you're not uh, your your whole existence as a gambler uh, or trader or whatever you're doing, you're not putting yourself at risk of being out of business if you lose it or if you lose many in a row, depending on your win rate percentage, right? So in trading, you cannot know the exact mathematical expectancy of any trade if you're a directional trader. But what you can do is limit your downside and be very diligent in risk management. Uh, try to keep a, a positive mathematical expectancy, analyze yourself, take notes on yourself, and uh, try to keep a, a good track record. Be clean and stay clear of those psychological kind of traps, which I fell into countless times. Trade with real founds from the start, I would say. Uh, just a small amount. You will lose at first, though, so be aware of that. But you need skin in the game. It's not the same if you're paper trading. I don't believe in paper trading. I think you need to have some kind of skin in the game and be ready to pay some expense fees. It might take a long time, but eventually, when you get three months of consistent profitability or more in various market, market conditions, I think you're ready to size up, not before. So risk tiny, trade a lot. Eventually, when you're three months plus profitable, that's when you, you will be ready to scale up the size. Meditators, I hope you enjoyed listening to this compilation as much as I did making it. It was amazing to listen back to the advice given by all of these incredible traders and investors. I'll definitely look to make more of these in the future, trying to take the best nuggets of wisdom from the investors, entrepreneurs, builders, and self-improvers we've had on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Market Meditations podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like us to continue bringing you fascinating people from across the world, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you like to listen to these podcasts and share the episode with a friend. If you have feedback or an idea for a potential guest, reach out to me on Twitter at AK. And do not forget, we write a newsletter covering all important topics in crypto and traditional markets. We send it out three times a week the market meditations newsletter you also get early access to these episodes and you get transcripts and extra notes as well so make sure to subscribe there as well